right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, We guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hi guys, and welcome back to another new episode of Uni Therapy. My name is Kat. I am the host, and today is a good day to have the day you need to have. And before we get into anything, I'm just going to give out the quick disclaimer that yes, this is a podcast about mental health and therapy that is hosted by a therapist. However, it does not serve as therapy. So now that we got that out of the way in the beginning, we can jump into today's episode, which we have made it to the third installment of our little series on attachment theory and attachment styles. And I'm going to do one more episode following this based off of the questions that you guys send to me and have sent to me about the different styles and all that. So we'll do one more Q&A episode and then we're going to wrap it all up in a imperfect weird bow. Uh, I know that I mentioned I would do a disorganized slash fearful avoidant episode, but I got to be honest with you because I just need to be. (laughs) I am not an expert on that style and I would feel way more comfortable if I had somebody that knew more about that style here talking about it with me. I mean, I know enough that I could talk about it. We could have an episode on it. But if I do an episode just on that, I just would feel more comfortable as somebody who preaches that we have to be careful about the information we put out and how we put it out and to stay in line with that and to stay like comfortable with just like my own feelings. I would like to have somebody here guiding that content. So maybe we'll do that in the future. (laughs) Can't make any promises. What I can't promise is it's not on the calendar as of now. And the truth is we really don't have like a ton of research on that. And there's tons of research on what we've been talking about. But it feels like I will say for me in my past, especially in uh, my training, all of the stuff about disorganized kind of got glazed over because it was like, oh, it's so rare. And so we didn't really talk about it. And so then it became this thing in my head. I'm like, I'll never deal with it. But I feel like... This is just in my head. This is not research. This is just like my thought. 
I just think it's one of those things that is probably more prevalent than we realize, but there isn't that much research on it and we don't put that much attention on it. So it gets missed. But none of that is that important today because that's not what we're here to talk about. Maybe we'll go there someday in the future. Now, what we are going to dive head freaking first into is the anxious slash preoccupied adult attachment style. I know that you guys out there have been waiting for this and are excited and probably have sent this to somebody because (laughs) I bet the majority of listeners that have an insecure attachment style are anxious. And I bet those same listeners were also excited about the avoidant episode because that describes the people that they have found themselves dating over and over again, which we will get there. Don't you worry. So little baby recap here. If you are like, this is new to me. What are you talking about? Pause this episode, go to two episodes before and listen to the basics. That's where you're going to find what is attachment theory? What are attachment styles? All of that. What is secure? Why aren't you talking about that? Because we don't, we're just not going to right now. (laughs) Uh, That felt mean to say, but go back there and listen to that and then come back and join us. But baby recap, for those of you who have been through this journey, we're talking about attachment, which is the biological system in our bodies that keeps us connected to others. And when your relational and emotional needs are not met, we take note of that. And if they continue to not be met, we eventually develop strategies to shut ourselves off from need or to basically like sloth style attached to it. And that is my very unclinical way of describing this. And in those two ways that we react or respond to not getting our needs met, we develop these insecure attachment styles. We talked about avoidant last week, and this week we're going anxious all of the way. Now, when it comes to anxiously attached humans, instead of avoidance, this person is more about preoccupation almost like borderline obsession, but I wouldn't technically use that word, even though I just did use that word. So these people have been exposed to an inconsistent attunement of their needs. So an inconsistent experience of having their needs understood and met. And last week I talked about hope um, and talked about how the avoidant person just loses hope, like they don't have the hope. The person that develops an anxious attachment style, they experience a back and forth of hope and disappointment. It comes, it goes away, it comes, it goes away. They know that it's possible, but when they have it, they can't really calm down because they're also used to it being left. Like things just aren't consistent. In fact, they're very, we'll use the word inconsistent. It makes it hard for them to settle down and it makes it hard for them to trust. So in kids, it will look like the mom or whatever primary caregiver they have is there and then she's gone. She's there and she's gone. She's present and she's meeting my needs. And then she's all of a sudden not. Why isn't she here? I don't know. We make up stories that it's about us because we are egocentric. And along the same lines, parents typically look inconsistent. Sometimes they're there for them. Sometimes they're not. This can be due to like normal circumstances. I want to reiterate what I said last week. And I think I say it all the time, but developing an insecure attachment style doesn't mean that your caregivers or your parents are bad, evil people. It can mean a lot of things. The inconsistency can be due to a lot of different things. It doesn't mean that they like are bad parents and like don't know how to love or aren't loving or don't care about you. It could mean that, but it doesn't necessarily have to mean that. So 
it can be a result of the caregiver that suffered from their own mental health issues. Maybe mom was in and out of treatment. Maybe parents were sick for in some other physical way, or maybe they had a job that was back and forth, or maybe they themselves had their own um, anxiety. So what happens is our attachment system gets activated when we perceive a threat to our connection. And when we perceive a threat to our connection, we engage in attachment activating behaviors. Those are called protest behaviors. If a child feels like they're not getting their needs met, they'll start doing these protest behaviors, signaling for somebody to come and attune to their needs. That could be whining, crying, scanning, clinging. And if this goes well, if the caregiver comes back and and attunes to them, they stick with that secure attachment system. If it doesn't go well over and over and over again, they will form an insecure attachment. So in a normal, healthy adult human, you can have these protest behaviors. They will protest when the parent leaves, but in an insecure, anxious, attached person with their experiences, they can't be calmed down even when those protest behaviors are met because it's so inconsistent that they have met or that they are met. So it looks a little funny in children and this mirrors in adulthood because they will go to the parent, but when they go to the parent, they're still not soothed because they are unsure that the parent will be there moving forward. They just lose a lot of trust in their safety. They can't relax and they create this, I better hang on to this, else I'm gonna lose you, clinger experience. And in adults, this is like the stage five clinger situation. And it gives a lot of empathy. It lends a lot of empathy for the stage five clingers because often it is due to this. And it's not that they are actually crazy. They are actually taking the experiences they have had and making sense of them. And it's a way for them to not feel distress, but it looks crazy from the outside. Now, a lot of times what you'll also find in these children is that the parents are also fearful in their parenting styles and the child can feel that. So the child can feel the doubt and then the child becomes preoccupied with the parent's instability. They can't relax and know they will be taken care of because they can tell that the parents are unsure and things are up in the air. And last week I used the example of the in a, an avoidant attached person, like their parents like don't really know what's going on to them, with them. So like this kid is the kind of kid who would look out in the crowd to see if dad would show up and he gets let down again. But then sometimes he's there and sometimes he's not and sometimes he's there or he says he's going to be there and then he doesn't show up again. And then if he is there, he keeps looking, if he's like a baseball game, like every time he like runs out to the field, he looks in the crowd again to make sure dad's still still there. It's not like, oh, I know dad is here versus an avoidance. Now looking out in the crowd because dad probably doesn't even know I have a game. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. 
Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Now, in adults, let's talk about adults because that's what we're talking about today. This translates to the kind of person, and I hate saying this, but I alluded to it like a minute ago, translates to the kind of person, also this sounds unprofessional, so just sit with me in this. They're the kind of person that outsiders say acts crazy. Crazy, very clinical term. However, I will say the same person that calls someone else crazy and is like, oh, they're acting crazy, they look crazy, they're crazy quite possibly maybe doing the same things to themselves. They just lack self-awareness. So we might want to not call people crazy. What is cool about anxiously attached individuals is they have like a sixth sense. They can tell something is off before anybody else. They are hyper vigilant. They can scan and identify when things seem off. And it would be an awesome superpower to have, but what they lack is emotion regulation. So they lack the emotional regulation connected to the fear that might appear when they notice that something is off. So they react instead of respond to this offness. And they do this way too quickly and they make gross assumptions. And that's one of the main issues with somebody who has an anxious attachment style because it's not that they're wrong all the time. They might be right that something's off, but they make assumptions based off of that that a lot of times are not true and then they act in a way that while they're trying to pull in closeness pushes people away. In romantic relationships, it can look, why aren't they texting me? Over analyzing every single text and interaction, constantly seeking a way to be calmed down, but nothing sticks because something else is always popping up because humans are imperfect and sometimes we just like miss things and they read way too much into the missing and they do a lot of information seeking. So here's the truth. We're only as needy as our unmet needs. So someone with an anxious attachment system has an overactive attachment system, but it doesn't mean that their need is not appropriate. Maybe their needs aren't being met. So then they overactivate this attachment system to get connection. They seek soothing through others Why an avoidant person is going to seek soothing through themselves. And then a secure person uses a nice little combination. And what's really hard and frustrating is that someone who has an overactivated attachment system uses behaviors that we do call activating strategies in order to find and maintain attachment. Yet it actually does the opposite, like I said earlier. 
So while an avoidant person engages in deactivating strategies in order to detach from their attachment system, an anxious person is going to engage in activating strategies in order to gain attachment. And activating strategies are thoughts or feelings that attempt to bring closeness. And I think of them as like magical thinking, he or she can change or making excuses for behavior, minimizing situations or red flags. So when the threat to connection is perceived, the anxiously attached human being will engage in these activating strategies. Again, thoughts or feelings that are created in an attempt to reestablish connection or closeness when it feels like there's a threat to the loss of it. And then once the person responds to those activating strategies, they'll reestablish their security and they can go back to being their normal selves. But not for long. This is a constant loop in anxiously attached human beings. So let's talk about some examples of activating strategies. And I'm going to pull these from uh, that same book that we talked about last time, Attached. So the authors Heller and Levine list these as some basic examples. So thinking about your partner constantly and having a difficult time concentrating on anything else, remembering only their good qualities ignoring red flags, you know, um, and putting them on a pedestal. So making them um, higher than you and underestimating your worthiness even, but like your talents and abilities and then overestimating theirs, like they're, they're greater than they really are. It's almost like they elevate to another dimension, like they're less human than the rest of us. And then having this anxious feeling that only goes away when you're in contact with them. And this is another thing that somebody with an anxious attachment system lives in this idea that this is like the only chance you have to like make it. And while somebody with an avoidant attachment is always looking for somebody better, the anxious person is like, this is the one, this is my one chance at my soulmate. I have to make it work. Like having a scarcity mindset. And then like minimizing, like I said, like saying things like all couples have problems, everybody has problems or having the idea that they can change. I, you can almost like wishfully, convince yourself that you are seeing little changes in them when like nothing's actually changing. Now, earlier I mentioned in kids, the protest behaviors and those being a way to reestablish connection to a parent. And that protest behavior is not the issue. It's the amount of protest behaviors. And if we can be calmed after the protest behaviors. So it is something that lets the caregiver know I'm not okay. I need you. And then the caregiver can respond to that. Now in adults, protest behaviors become kind of the same thing, an attempt to display up unhappiness and signal this idea that I need you so the partner can respond to that. And depending on what kind of protest behaviors, some can be more healthy than others. And what I want you to know in that is that just a protest behavior in itself is not unhealthy or pathological. But when you have an anxious attachment, it becomes constant and all consuming because they can't be soothed. So it's so frequent that their protest behaviors, which are attempts to reestablish connection, end up driving their partners away. So the same people, Heller and Levine, um, have a good list of these as well. So, and you guys are going to be like, oh, I do that. You're going to do some of these, but it's the amount. And if these things actually soothe you for an appropriate amount of time, calling, texting, waiting for phone calls, driving by where they are or waiting for them outside of places to to run into them, protest behaviors, keeping score. So paying attention to like how long it took for them to call back or how many times they texted you first or you texted them first. This one withdrawing, I like to say, and I got to say, I got this from my therapist. You can't withdraw your way to connection. 
So withdrawing a protest behavior might be like turning your back to your partner or saying, I'm fine. And then really as an attempt for them to like come and ask what's wrong, but you're actually not. It's a little backwards. That is really backwards and it backfires often. Threatening to leave. So making threats an attempt for them to say, no, don't leave me or manipulation in the form of acting busy, ignoring phone calls. Like I said, like the withdraw my way to connection, it doesn't actually work or trying to make them feel jealous. Right. So that could be a bunch of different ways, whether it's dropping hints about other people commenting or liking on your Instagram post saying that an ex reached out to you or that somebody did express interest to you or something like that. And again, what somebody with an anxious attachment system doesn't realize is that the questions that they're constantly asking and their behaviors that they're constantly behaving in or using, their attempts to pull somebody in, what they're doing is they are pushing people away. And in their head, it's like, I got to hold on as tight as possible because if this person leaves, I don't know when they're going to come back. But what somebody is feeling is suffocated especially someone with an avoidant attachment, which is very often who these people end up dating. Why, you ask? Let's talk about that. So avoidant and anxiously attached humans, people with an avoidant attachment style or an anxious attachment style, mirror each other's needs. And that's why they are drawn to each other. Dating someone with an insecure attachment makes your attachment more solid in its own insecurity. You deepen the lesson you've already learned. And that's why you're attracted to them. We go to what we know. The avoidant believes people are too needy. The anxious believes people will leave me. The avoidant leaves people. The anxious oversues through others and appears too needy. So they're like the perfect match, but the most imperfect match at the same time. And I'm going to take this moment. I feel like I'm about to give an ad, like a PSA. I'm going to take a moment and insert a little conversation talk chit chat about why I often express that I do not like most, we'll use the word most, dating and relationship coaches. If you are an avid listener of the podcast, I'm sure you're like, yes, we know this cat. Well, I don't know how much I've really talked about why. So let's get into it. Sometimes dating advice basically advocates for you to date an avoidant partner. And I don't know if you've heard of this book, but a long time ago, my friend recommended me to read this book called Why Men Love Bitches. I think I was in like my mid early 20s. I was in my early 20s. So I don't know how popular this book is now. 10 years ago, I guess it was like a hot item. And so my friend recommended me read it. I was like, yes, I want a relationship. Let me get this book. And I got a couple chapters in probably. And there was some part about like something about cooking dinner. And I don't even know what the book said, but I was like, this is so screwed up. I really wanted to say something else, but this is so screwed up. So I stopped reading it and I gave the book to Goodwill when I moved two years ago. I don't know why I still had it. That's a whole other issue. But anyway, (laughs) I got a couple chapters in and I was like, this is like physically and emotionally disturbing. And for one, this book was telling me that to get a partner, I had to basically not be myself. And two, well, actually, I don't even think I need a number two. I could come up with one, but I mean, that was enough, right? Like no way in hell am I going to find a partner by turning into this mean and calculated human that is like every move I make is a way to manipulate this person into liking me. It just feels so disgusting and wrong. And dating advice and coaches very often give you tips and rules to use to help you get the guy or girl. But I need people to hear this. 
By showing up and pretending to be someone that you are not, you're allowing someone else to be with you based on their terms, not yours. You give away all your power and you give away all of the ability for you to get your needs met. And you're basically basing a relationship on meeting somebody else's needs. And I will give the caveat that sure, there might be good dating advice and sure, there might be good dating and relationship coaches out there, but I don't know many of them. I haven't seen many of them. And I just think we need to be aware of this because we all want help. And I think the people that follow that advice and follow that stuff, they're not bad people and you're not looking for something bad, but it can be really dangerous. And I just have a heart for like not causing more harm than good. And you might be saying, Kat, like, it works sometimes. People get in relationships using these tips and like totally, yeah, it could happen. There's exceptions to rules for sure. Life is not black and white. But if the way you got someone, ugh, I don't know why I said it like that, got someone. See, it's like, well, it's a game. Like I captured them. Anyway, if the way you ended up in a relationship was through playing a game and being someone that you're not, it's eventually going to backfire. And I I find it's going to backfire in two main ways. One, when you start to show up as yourself, it's going to screw up the system that you've created and your avoidant partner is going to leave you and you lose, right? If like all of a sudden you show up with needs and you start like actually texting them when you want, they're going to like, who is this person that actually wants to talk to me? I got to go. This doesn't work for me. What worked for me is when you were distant and acted like you didn't like me. So I felt safe. So I liked you. Or you pretend to be someone else and you lose because isn't that miserable in itself? If you never start to show up as yourself, then like, then you're just losing all the time. You're never going to end up getting your needs met here. And that deepens this belief that like your needs are too much, that you're too needy and you're not too needy. Let me remind you that you're as needy as your unmet needs. And this goes back to how we've been talking about the fact that both insecure attachment system styles avoidant and anxious are afraid of the same thing, rejection and abandonment. They are just going about their attempt to avoid this in different ways. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. 
It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The anxious attachment style human, their hyperactivation, their why haven't you texted me, is an exaggeration of a very normal response of needing love and connection. This is one of those like activating strategies in their head that might turn into a protest behavior of like texting them 75 times or not texting them at all to to see if they ever respond to them. These people are not aware that they're pushing people away because their attempts to create connection comes out and looks desperate and looks like desperation. Really, these people are saying inside their system, I feel so abandoned and rejected, but they don't know how to just be honest and ask for their needs, especially because the bitch book is telling us that to get a relationship, we're supposed to act like we don't care about the other person. What the hell is that? It sounds crazy. The way to get a a relationship and the way to find connection is to act like you don't care and you don't want it. You don't find a healthy relationship by making your partner feel like you don't care about them. Like, think about that for a second. And some of you are like, yeah, we know. We don't like this either. Like, uh, but then we have people telling us that that's the way. It's not the way. So what these people really need is self-soothing behaviors, right? Because they think I have to have you and I have to have you now to be soothed. And they're not soothed when they do have you because then they're waiting for you to leave. Now, we talked about what kind of client this would be last week in an avoidance. So what kind of therapy client is this? What kind of therapy client is the anxious attachment style? And first of all, they are the most common kind. They are the ones that are more likely to come to therapy and to come to therapy on their own. They're also the client that loves therapy. And they ask a lot of questions like, what do I do or what should I say? They want the therapist to tell them everything. They don't trust themselves. And you know how the avoidant, like the therapist, like me, I become like an annoyance or a bother to them. The therapist doesn't become a bother to them because they are afraid that they bother the therapist. So they ask questions like, are you going to fire me if I don't do blank? Or they always want to know, do you like me? They really care about what the therapist thinks about them. It's also hard for them to believe that we don't think they're crazy. Like the, the anxiously attached person gets sent the message more like you're crazy, you're acting crazy, you're crazy. So then they th- think they're crazy and they sometimes know some of the behaviors make them feel crazy while the avoidance think everyone else in their life is crazy. And when it really boils down to all of this, we're dealing with fear here. Remember, our attachment system is highly activated by emotion, specifically fear. And this person has an overactivated, unregulated fear of being alone. They think I won't be okay if I get left. And there's also the scarcity belief here. I talked about this earlier, the scarcity belief that there aren't enough people. I won't find anyone else while avoidance think there has to be someone better out there for me. They just assume you're not going to come back. They need constant connection, constant attention, constant validation. And there's people that assume if I don't hold this together, it's going to fall apart. So how should we encourage these people to move towards security? And one, through secure relationships, But what we want to encourage somebody with an anxious attachment system, now, this is very difficult. It's not as easy as it sounds coming out of my mouth. But we want to encourage them to move from vigilant to the outside stuff, like what everybody else, like scanning whatever else needs. So you then change your behaviors based on those things in order to not get people to walk away or leave. You're walking on eggshells to vigilant inside. So focusing more on what I need, what I want, and asking for that in an appropriate way. 
we need these people to be a little bit more selfish rather than selfless because the selflessness doesn't actually get your needs met. And that's part of the reason we're constantly in the cycle of trying to get our needs met. And they need to hear like, you don't have to be all easy breezy because it is the attempt to be easy breezy that uh, makes you feel a little crazy because you're not easy breezy. You have needs. You're as needy as your unmet need. And it's our job to realize that when we are having this like overactive attachment, we're having an exaggerated reaction. Just because you're feeling something doesn't mean something has to be done, right? So when I have that sixth sense and I'm like, something's off, doesn't mean I have to act. The world is probably safer than you feel it is. Somebody with an avoidant attachment style is more likely to go on dates looking for ways to make the other person like them before they even decide if they like that person. And I want to flip-flop that. So we have to start asking ourselves, what are we attracted to in this person? How is this person going to be able to show up for me? How isn't this person going to be able to show up for me? And is that a deal breaker? Okay. If you start to see red flags when you're dating or if you're in a friendship or even at a job, the best thing you can do for your attachment system and to move towards security is to back away. And if you want some help learning how to spot an avoidantly attached person, go to the episode from last week. But these people, again, go back to those activating strategies and we minimize things and we use magical thinking and we stay in these relationships that deepen our insecurity and deepen our insecure attachment. The best thing you can do in order to find a successful and caring and loving and healthy relationship is to actually just be yourself. If someone can't meet your needs, a securely attached person can say like, okay, this sucks, but this isn't going to work. And I think that comes from this idea that they don't have the idea that there is only one person out there. And they also don't have the idea that there's perfection either. So the best thing you can do to find a secure, healthy relationship, loving, caring relationship is be yourself. So in secure attachment, if someone can't meet your needs, that person can say, this sucks, but this isn't going to work out because this person knows and believes that there isn't just one person out there that, that will love them. They have more of an abundance mindset when it comes to relationships. Not that there's like a million people and they can have a million partners. This goes more to the avoidant, but they, they believe that there isn't just one out there that's going to ever love them or give them attention. They believe that connection is available to them. What I want somebody with an anxious attachment style to hear today is that not everyone's relationship and relational needs are compatible with yours, and that's okay. That doesn't mean that you're not worthy of love and connection. That is just a sentence, and we can put a period at the end of it. It doesn't mean you're too needy. It doesn't mean that you are too unneedy. <laughs> it just means that your relationship needs are not compatible with that person, and there will be somebody else. So I want to go back to this idea that I'm sure I've said in one of these episodes, but the most important thing in reestablishing a secure attachment system are the relationships that we can develop moving forward. And the idea that it's not so much what happened to you, it matters and it's important to look at what we do with what happened to us. So it doesn't matter what happened to you, it matters what you do with that experience. It's not whether or not there is trauma, it's if that trauma has been processed because to an extent we all have some kind of trauma and relational trauma especially. So it's what do I do with these past experiences that have shown me X? Do I make them the rule or do I look at the other experiences that I might have? Because to grow and deepen our sense of security, we heal in relationships. We have to be in relationships to shift our attachment to a more secure attachment. 
something that I love. I really can't remember if I said this last week, so I'm going to say it again. But it's a quote from Dan Siegel, who wrote this book, Mindsight, which is really good and talks about attachment in that and the neurobiology of all of it. But he said, if you can make sense of your attachment wound, you have a better chance of not continuing the narrative. We are meaning making people, so we create internal narratives. In order to create change, we first must find awareness of the problem. This is Kat talking. That's what we're doing today. Back to the quote. Then create a new understanding of what happened, and then new experiences can create a new narrative. Having difficult experiences early in life is less important than whether we found a way to make sense of how those experiences have affected us. Making sense is a source of strength and resilience. Making sense is essential to our well-being and happiness. And I think that's so important because what we're doing, and I say this a lot, like awareness is awesome, but now that we have the awareness, we have to do something with it. We have to create new narratives. We have to create new experiences and match those experiences with new narratives. And a lot of times what we do when we have an anxious attachment system is we're in a new experience, but we're matching it with an old narrative. And that is a recipe for disaster. Now, I think it's worth being said if we're talking about adult romantic relationships, I mean, I guess this this really does go to any kind of relationships. But what I do want to say is that healthy, secure relationships are going to end up feeling very boring, very boring, because you don't have to engage in all of this like chaos and your template or your baseline for normalcy is way off or health. Your baseline for health is way off. So someone with a secure relationship is going to have a baseline for health that, that makes sense. And somebody with an anxious attachment, your baseline for health is like where a secure person's chaos would be. So chaos feels normal and healthy to you. It's what you know, right? You move to what you know, you go to what you know. So relationships that are healthy are gonna feel boring. You don't have to engage in all of this. So you're like, do they even like me? I don't even like them. This is boring. This is not exciting. I need more excitement in my relationship. There just wasn't any passion. And then you get in this like anxious avoidant trap where the anxious person and the avoidant person are constantly going back. If you're one of the people you're like, why do I keep finding these people? It's because you go towards what feels normal and what feels normal actually is chaos. And what feels healthy or what is healthy and what is calm feels very boring. So it takes two willing individuals to create actual healthy intimacy and you have to find a willing individual. And if there is a willing individual in front of you, they're not going to be playing all these games. So you're not going to be jumping over hoops and your arousal template isn't going to be as activated because your arousal template is way off. So if I could leave you guys with anything, if you're like, I want healthy attachment, how do I know how to find it? One clear indicator is that you might be bored. And I know you guys don't love that, but it is, it is what it is. Is that what the kids say? It's what I'm saying. It is what it is. You might have to be bored for a little bit. Let yourself attach and then see what it feels like. So here we are. That is where I'm going to wrap up this episode. That's where I'm going to wrap up the adult anxious attachment style episode. I hope that this gave you some good insight that you needed. And if you have questions, remember, send them to Catherine at UniTherapyPodcast.com. And I will try to answer those on Wednesday. So send them right away. If you're listening to this later in the week, you can still send your questions. I'm just going to do an actual Couch Talks episode on attachment on Wednesday. Have the day you guys need to have. I will talk to you guys on Wednesday.
right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, Wait, did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count.